Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now, for today's message. Alright, so we're in the last week of our eight-week series on the Beatitudes. Um, We saved the best for last. Um, so for those that haven't been here, I recommend it has been a great series, uh, a really good friend of mine that pastors a church, uh, in Greensboro, uh, wrote a book that's actually out on Amazon. We're going to give away 10 of them next week at the volunteer appreciation dinner. Um, uh, but you can, um, get one on Amazon. They're literally there right now. Uh, redefined. It's identical. It looks like that on the thing. Uh, pastor Alan Holmes, Dr. Alan Holmes. Um, but it continues on past the Beatitudes into the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. So if you've enjoyed this, you may enjoy the book. So check it out. So um, for those that have been here and for those that haven't, um, we've been going through the Beatitudes. And you may not be familiar with the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are nine different times at the beginning of Jesus' longest recorded sermon. Uh, it's in Matthew 5. Um, where he talks about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And he starts off his, I don't know if y'all have heard of the first words of importance, like when the first time things are mentioned, it's pretty important. And at the beginning of sermon, Jesus is laying the groundwork for what it looks like for us to be blessed. And we've talked about this over and over again, that in our American culture, blessing usually is attributed to things. Uh, in the Christian culture, blessing is orientated or connected to the presence of God. And so if you want to be blessed, which means if you want to be connected to the presence of God, which is great when he's talking about blessing, because we're going to talk about persecution today. That's the last beatitude that we're going to go through. So let me read through all the ones that we've covered so far. So the first one, uh, Matthew 5, starting in verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the humble. That was what we talked about um, our first week. Week 2 was, Blessed are those who mourn, shall they be, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the broken. The ones that are fully aware that without Jesus and His restoration and His sacrifice... We have nothing. So we mourn for the reason why Jesus had to die for us, which is our sin. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Surrender. The next one is blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Righteousness is part of the word that we're going to talk about today. Remember, righteousness literally means in right standing with God. Um, the next one, verse seven, it says, blessed are the merciful for they will receive or shall receive mercy. This idea of the mercy test, like, are we living out what we've received? Are we giving the same type of mercy that God has shown to us? Verse eight, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God being authentic, being true to what's actually going on inside, not allowing hidden things to fester inside of us. But to present ourselves as we are to God so that he can heal us and restore us and make us whole. And then last week we talked about blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Are we peacemakers? Are we the ones trying to establish peace? It says as far as it is up to us, be at peace with all men. And I'm not talking about being at peace for the sake of the gospel 
I'm talking about being at peace with people when we can control it. And a lot of times we ruin a lot of the relationships that we have because we have this thing fighting inside of us that we have to deal with. And so here in week, um, the last week, week eight, verse 10 says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's important to understand that it, it didn't just say blessed are those who are persecuted because you may be, you may feel persecuted about something that you did that you shouldn't have done. I'm persecuted. He's talking about being persecuted for righteousness sake, being persecuted because of your right standing with God, not because you are belligerent, not because you're mean, not because you're spiteful, not because you're not merciful and all these other things that we may call persecution out. Uh, you may have walked by our guest services table um, hundreds of times over the last few years and, and, and not paid much attention to it, which is fine. Uh, but on that table, there is uh, two different things. There's lots of things, but there's two different things associated to Voice of the Martyrs. Um, there's booklets there that they send out for free. You can sign up for them and get them. Um, those that are on our table are free. They're, if you want them, if you want to read about Voice of the Martyrs, there's actually a prayer commitment card that's up there for Voice of the Martyrs. And what you may not know, because we're sheltered within the inside of uh, North Carolina and sheltered inside of the U.S., is that there, uh, there is actively right now people being persecuted for their faith, for their righteousness. And we, it's come to the forefront as we've seen what happened in Afghanistan and what's continuing to go on in Afghanistan. But it's there. People that are willing to give their life up. And, and what we're really talking about today as we talk about our persecution for righteousness is an internal perspective. Our perspective matters. How you view things matter and what perspective you're living out of, which is what we're talking about today, will matter. So I'm going to read a story. I don't know if you've ever seen this. Voice of the Martyrs put this out. Um, it's called Extreme Devotion. It's like a 30-day devotional thing that talk about stories of people that have literally uh, given their life. And there's one in here that I just want to give you kind of an idea that our faith is worth the sacrifice. Our faith is worth even death. So this is a pastor, uh, Pastor Lee in China. He says, just as Pastor Lee began his sermon, the doors of the house church burst open. Armed guards from the Chinese Public Security Bureau poured into the room, threatening everyone present and grabbing Lee to arrest him. Wait, please allow me to grab my bag. As always, the pastor um, tone with officers was polite yet firm. The officers were surprised at his request. What is in there? Maybe he has weapons or a bomb or something. They demanded grabbing the black Ziploc bag Lee held and ripping it open. Says the bag contained a blanket and a spare change of clothes. Lee told them because he was expecting to be arrested today. Pastor Lee had been arrested many times. Twice police had beaten him to the point of vomiting blood. And one time Lee's face was beaten with his own Bible. Lee was warned that police were watching the village where he held his Tuesday meetings. He knew if he showed up to preach, he would be imprisoned. 
Today, Chinese citizens can be sent to labor camps for up to three years without a formal trial. The risks were great, but Lee's bags were packed. More than having a packed bag, though, he had his mind and heart prepared. He was willing to pay any cost to preach the gospel. He was convinced God would care for him, even in prison. The, the next day in here was Rachel Scott. I don't know if you all remember Rachel Scott from the Columbine shooting. Um, had written, a, they found her journal, and they, so they see her faith um, through her journal. And when confronted by the gunman to, do you still believe in God? Will you renounce him? And, and she, she wouldn't. And he asked her why. And before she could answer, he shot her, killed her. And we would be heartbroken if this was our child. But can you imagine her willingness as a teenager in high school in the face of death to love Jesus more than her own life? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Encourage us to live with the right perspective because if we have the right perspective, everything changes your perspective is affecting your mood your well-being your health your mindset your perspective is changing all of those things for those who live and this is what we're going to see over and over again in scripture for those who live for jesus will be persecuted right now we don't see a lot of that but i think in the end of my sermon i'll give you a fair amount of verses that one day, potentially in our lifetime, that'll be the case for us here in the great free country of the USA. So look at this. Why is this true? Why are the righteous persecuted? So I'm going to start in John 3.16, a very famous verse that we've all um, read and, and, and you know may not know what continues after it. But let's lead, I, I think... Um, John gives us a very good idea of why you're going to be hated and persecuted. So 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's why we do all this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should get exposed. This is what the world does when the light comes into the darkness. This is what's going on. This is the tension that we're going to come into, or already potentially in right now, is that we are required, called to be the light. And the beautiful thing about being the light, and the beautiful thing about the darkness that is coming, is here, is the light is seen so much better the darker it gets. It's why it's so 
critical that our light is correct. Verse 21, it says, but whoever does what is true comes into the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So a couple of questions for you. What kingdom are you dying for? Because right now you're sacrificing your life for something. You are. For work, for prestige. You're laying your, down, your life down every day for something. It could be leisure. It could be, you know, the, the ability to just sit at home and do nothing. But you're laying down your life for something. Every day because your, your seconds and minutes reduce every day. Because you just spent what you'll never get back. And we all, whether you know this or not, are existing right now on a limited clock. Our clocks, every one of them, will end one day. They will stop ticking our hearts. And so every day we're expending ourselves on something. And historically speaking, the church, when the church is persecuted, the kingdom expands. So fear not. God has a great way of expanding his kingdom through anything. I mean, I don't know if you read statistical data when it comes to the church, but China, one of the most oppressive places, has one of the fastest growing churches. You know why? Because they have counted the cost and they know what they're living for. They know what they're willing to die for. If you want to get blessed, you have to get over the fear of death and get on living with an eternal perspective. There's so much fear in our lives right now. And there, there's something that I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention it a little bit, but I, something I feel that in the next two or three months that we're just going to dive deep into a phrase. that I feel like God's just been putting on me that. I can't stop thinking about. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. <clears throat> I like this one. Uh, most Americans are living like this is heaven. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to say, you know, most of us are living and dying for like this is it. And um, let me tell you, if this is it, live and die for it. Meaning. Get the most money, have the biggest house, do the most stuff, go on the most trips, do all these things if this is it. But in our perspective, when this is light and momentary, this is a vapor, this life that seems like forever is a vapor when it comes to the eternity that we're chasing after, that we want, that we're looking forward to. And we, we got to do something about living like this is heaven because... God will give you what you want. He'll give you the life that you want. And I want us to be more interested in the life that he has for us. Uh, one of the smartest men in the Bible, though he, he didn't um, end very well. Solomon had it figured out. If you've read, read Ecclesiastes or any part of Ecclesiastes, um, you'll see over and over again that he tried, did, experienced I don't know how many wives he ended up having. A lot. Yeah, like 700. I mean, he, he, he had all the money that he wanted. He had the best foods. There was nothing that he didn't experience. And he literally, that was part of his life. That's what you see in Ecclesiastes, that he wanted to see and experience what was out there. And at the end of all of this, so let me let 
Let's use his wisdom. Because you don't have the time or money like he did. None of us, not saying anybody in here is poor, but no one comes close to Solomon and his wealth. And if he and all his wealth and all his stuff came to this conclusion, we should realize it's the same. So uh, Ecclesiastes 1.4, it says, I have seen everything that is under the sun. And behold, all is vanity and striving after the wind. Notice this phrase. What is under the sun, which is here. He's not talking about God is vanity and the things that he has for us is vanity. But he's chased everything that's under the sun, everything that's on this rock. And it's all worth nothing. I mean, how depressing would it be that you chase after all of this and come to the end and realize that it was all for nothing? I don't want you to sit on your bed if you get this opportunity knowing that death is coming soon and go, I have wasted my life. Because I think to some extent, all of us will experience that a little bit. If anybody watched Schindler's List, at the end of Schindler's List, he talked about that one tooth, that gold tooth he could have taken out and could have saved more people. But I I want us to have that mentality that we can for one more. So the problem um, with us in general, church in general, is that... A lot of us have heard, lived in, and experienced the wrong gospel. We talk about this a fair amount, fair amount here. We, we, the wrong gospel is um, preached as easy, how to get rich and to always be happy. That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if that's what you've been preached, heard, taught, or are living, you're wrong. Read the Bible. The 12 disciples that followed Jesus, one hung himself because he betrayed. 11 that were left, 10 of those, died horribly. And you will find no more faithful people than the hand chosen from the Savior to follow him that lived. So if you think he would allow them to be horribly treated, I'm talking about stabbed, Hung upside down. I mean, not hung upside down. Um, stabbed, boiled in oil. That was the one guy who lived. So don't think he just like... And then he got exiled on the island. Uh, um, crucified upside down with Peter. Crucified right side up. Stabbed, beheaded. I mean, like beaten to death with stones. The, that is, and, and they were as faithful as you'll get. And actually, the benefit is, the more faithful you are... Because Jesus said, you know, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. So really the question comes, if, if there's no persecution, if there's no resistance in our life, and I'm not talking go do dumb things so people resist you, because there's a lot of Christian dumb things that people do that aren't Jesus. But when you exist and live for your righteousness, there will be pushback on that. Because here's the promises, Matthew 5, a little bit later. Uh, or this is the uh, the 10, which we read already, and 11 going on, and 12. So all who follow says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you, persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Some of the accusations that will come in the future will be false. I read one of the stories this morning. 
out of the extreme devotion where the pastor was actually, or this Christian was actually arrested, uh, uh, brutalized, and imprisoned for 30 days for something he didn't even do. I mean, he didn't even do what he was accused of, and the people eventually came out and said, we were pressured by the authorities to say these things against this man. He was released, and, and to be completely honest, at least in the story there, it, it strengthened his faith. And here, here's what Jesus says. So blessed are you when others revile you, persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil things against you, and falsely accuse you on my account. Make sure that it's on his account, not on your account. Verse 12. Here's what you're to do. Rejoice and be glad. Yes! You're like, what? And here's why you should rejoice and be glad. Because you have an eternal perspective. For your reward reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. If you live for this world and only this world, you will get exactly what this world offers. Which is nothing. Which is emptiness. There's no one on their deathbed that is saying, man, I wish I worked a couple more hours a week. I wish I had a few more dollars in the bank account. Because all this stuff we collect, shamefully, all this stuff we collect will either be thrown away or sold or put in a corner of somebody's closet for a period of time until they eventually give it away. But everything that we have, nothing lasts forever. Antiques eventually break they eventually wear out there's nothing but we treasure these things and we fight for these things and we get mad when these things get broken or whatever got to change our perspective even for good things look at this in uh, mark 3 jesus (laughs) even for doing right things will be persecuted again he entered the synagogue and the man was there with a shriveled shriveled withered hand and they watched jesus To see whether he would heal on the Sabbath. Because that was against the rules. Which it wasn't against the rules. But they were against work. And they equated anything to work. So much so that they polluted what the purity was. And they watched Jesus see whether he would heal on the Sabbath. So that they might accuse him. Not to worship him. They wanted to accuse him. And he said to the man with a withered hand. Come here. And he said to him. To them. So he brings this man with this withered hand up in front of the people because they weren't going to let it just be this thing that he teaches. He wants them to experience it. And then he asked the question, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill it? But they were silent because he's asking them this question. Is it? Is it? They're like, mm-hmm. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hard hardness of heart. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and the hand was restored. And listen to this. The Pharisees went out immediately and held counsel with the Herodians, which are Herod's people, against him to figure out how they can destroy Jesus. The man just in front of them, not hidden, in front of the accusers, 
How can you, without a hardened heart, see a hand literally that you know? Because this is the synagogue. This person lives there. It'd be like somebody in our church in a wheelchair for years. And we know this person in a wheelchair. And someone comes in and he stands up and walks. It's not like you're somewhere at a conference and are they manipulating our emotions? Are they doing this? You know this person. And they see it. And their only response to it is, how can we kill this guy? 2 Timothy 3.12, it says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. All. Luke 6.26 says, Woe to you! (laughs) Woe to you when all people speak well of you! For so their fathers did to the false prophets. And I'm just confessions of a people pleaser up here. There's a, there's a sinful desire in me for everyone to like me. And it's trouble. For me. Pure. I mean, I, I'm not lying to you. Like, I, I want you to like me. And, and if you even like me for the, dislike me for the wrong reasons, like, it hurts a little bit. And I'm, I'm trying to get over that. Because, to be completely honest, your opinion doesn't mean garbage. Unless it's pointing out of literally something I'm doing wrong and then I need to be convicted of that and to change. But at the end of the day, I'm getting ahead of myself in this sermon. But I exist to please Jesus and not you. And it's a struggle that I'm going to have to live with until I am freed from it. Because not that you don't matter, but you don't matter when you are put next to Jesus. I mean, he actually says that if you don't hate your mother and your father and your bride and your family more than you can't even be a part of Jesus saying you you got to love me so much so that it makes everything else look like hate live to please Jesus instead of people most if not all of our stress comes from living out of the wrong perspective right now like if if we could sit down for a session of therapy And you could believe it. If you would change your perspective right now, like completely. Not that your life would get easier and all your problems would be fixed, but your perspective determines how you're going to think and feel about it. And if we could right now, all of us in this room, have a honest step into the right perspective about who Jesus is for us, in us, and who we are in him in spite of our own shortcomings, our lives would be easier right now. There you go. You don't even have to send any money for that. Free therapy. (laughs) Jesus is greater, which is a term that you're going to hear a lot at Reach Community Church over the next little bit. All of our problems get fixed when Jesus is greater. And the question is, is Jesus greater than whatever you're struggling with inside of you? So what true, what's true in our marriage is typically true in our relationship with Jesus and vice versa. I'm married. My wife, Jody, you want to wave at everybody? She loves when I do that. <laughs> She'll tell me later, don't ever do that again. But the truth is, there's a reason why in the Bible that you see this correlation between a husband and wife and our relationship with Jesus. 
Because they're very similar. If, if you would do the things that would make your marriage healthy, if you do those same similar things to your relationship with Jesus, it would be healthy, or vice versa. If you're doing these great things with Jesus and you have a healthy relation with Him and not so here, you just need to do the same things on both ends. And here are a few of those things. Time. I, I, I cannot... I cannot have a healthy relationship with my wife or Jesus without spending time with them. Your relationship with Jesus didn't start and end on the day you said yes to him. It would be like me deciding I'm going to invest my rest of my life into this relationship with my wife. And the day we get married, we spend all these times preparing for this marriage. We get in front of everyone and say, yes, we exchange our vows and then we depart. They never see each other again. And, and I'm going to just be completely honest. That's what a lot of Christianity looks like in the USA. As long as we got that little card in our back pocket that we met Jesus one time, a long time ago, then we're going to go to heaven. And let me just tell you, you don't get heaven without loving Jesus. And you cannot love Jesus without spending time with him. Period. Another thing is worship. And not that we want to worship our wife. Like in a sense that... Uh, in the same way as Jesus, but if if I never tell her how great she is, it's not going to go really well. But it, if I tell her how great she is, being real, not like hey, you're great, my God, praise you. I mean, but literally seeing, witnessing all the things that she does in my life to make my life easier, and all the things that she does for our children, and if I praise those things, which is worship. Our relationship is going to be better. It's the same thing with God. We don't come up here and play these songs so that we can sing because that's what Christians do on Sunday morning. We come here so you can worship. So that we can tell God how great He is. Because the greater He is, the more perspective we get to see ourselves. Not in that great position. Another thing is giving if I never give my wife anything, if I, if I spend every ounce of my money doing what I want, and when she wants to do something like go to dinner or go to this or go to that or purchase something from her house, but I go, no, 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 I've, 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 I've invested this money somewhere else. But I never give her anything. God's the same. He's asking for us. And I know this is like, oh, pastor's going to ask for your money. We've never passed a plate here and there's a box over there. You can give if you want to. And I'm not going to guilt you into giving, but God has called you to be a giver. And if you want to be blessed, you better give and you better put your life in a position that you can do that. Because telling my wife that, sorry, you know, I spent all the money on my workout clothes or I spent all the money on my new watch or I spent all the money on, you know, this thing for my truck or what. Ugh, I would take you to dinner, but I've, I did all these things for me. We do this to God all the time. Oh, God, I wish I could. And, and we'll see things like the persecuted church and we'll have a heart for it. And we were like, we want to give to that. And you're like, I don't have any money. Most of the reason this is going to hurt. Most of the reason you don't have any money is because you're living for idols. Right now, you have built your life because this is your heaven. And you have nothing left over because you have bit into idolatry that you are this source of, I need to be happy and these things are going to make me happy. And we're spending money and our credit card will show. And for those who have been through financial peace and are doing amazing, praise the Lord. 
But a lot of us, that's not the case. We put ourselves in this position where we're like, I wish I could give. Then build your life accordingly. Serve. Look, we're, we're going to love our volunteers next week because Reach Community Church would not exist without people that serve here at this church. I'm but one person doing a small percentage of what goes on to make this. If you're enjoying this experience, if you're new here and you're like, man, this is great. This room doesn't look like this. You should come back to the senior center during the week and look what this looks like because it doesn't look like this. We set up all this for you because we want you to hear the gospel. And that happens because we all have all these other people that are willing to serve because there's a perspective of why they're serving. Like, I, I don't want you to come here and serve because this is my thing. Look, if God doesn't show up, we've all wasted our time. Same thing with my wife. If I never serve her, if I decide, I mean, I produce during the winter, let me just confess, a lot of dirty clothes. Because I work out outside, and during the winter, you have lots of layers. And I swear, after one workout outdoors, half of our laundry basket's full. Um, and if I just all the time created all the mess and never helped with it, eventually she's going to throw away all my clothes and then I won't have anything. <laughs> it's the same way we on both sides. And the last thing that we can do very easily is we can tell others about them. I mean, can you imagine if we spent time telling other people how amazing our wife is? Because if we're doing that, it's real. Unless she's close and you know it. And you're like, have I t- told you how great Jody is <laughs> lately? It's the same thing. Jesus, we got to be so, I mean, this whole book, they're so interested in telling people about Jesus that they're willing to die for it. Are we willing to just share how great God is? If we're not careful, we'll spend out our Christian life trying to get God to serve us rather than us serving him, which isn't how it works. Things will get worse. If you're not experiencing persecution, one of two things are happening. Um, One, we live in the South and most people are pretty nice and they don't persecute you because um, they're nice. And there's no cost to them for you being a good, firm believer. But soon, families will turn against Sam, and I don't know when soon is, but I think at some time during our lifetime, we will be a hidden church, thriving, but hidden. So until then, we'll enjoy these days that we can come into a public building and preach the gospel. But listen to these. Here's just a couple of verses. Second uh, Timothy 3, 1 through 5, says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self. (laughs) Think about our culture right now as I read this statement. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, treacherous, reckless, sullen with conceit, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power, avoid such people. Does that, I mean, I, I think that pretty much talk, I mean, watch TV. 
John 16, 33, it says, I have said these things to you that you may have peace in the world. You will have tribulations, but take heart. I have overcome the world. John 15, 18 through 20. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I have said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. Master, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept, if they kept my word, they would also keep yours. So what we can do, what can we do to change our perspective? We can be with Jesus so that we can become like Jesus so that we can do what Jesus did. That's our message to you here at Reach. This is all the only reason we exist is to get you to connect up to the source. We're not the source. We're pointing you to the source so that you can take what comes from the up and put it inside of you and let that marinate in you and change you from the inside out. And out of that, we serve, we give, we help other people. The real reach up, reach in, reach out, because Jesus is greater. He is worth our sacrifice. One last story for you. And there was a great movie about this. Um, if you're familiar with the Jim Elliott story. So Jim Elliott and uh, four other families, they moved to Ecuador uh, after seminary to take the gospel to an unreached people group. This group had no outside connection. They had no power, no water, had never experienced outsiders. They were very aggressive, very violent. That was part of their culture, how violent they were. But these four families were so passionate for this group of people that they decided this was going to be our life. And they did flyovers with planes and they would drop gifts out to them trying to make a connection. And, and they made one stop in and had a peaceable connection with the people. They think, man, God is doing some amazing things. Uh, they leave and they come back, land again, and they're met this time with spears and all four of them were murdered, dead, before they shared one piece of the gospel. Because they didn't even know their language. They hadn't learned their language yet. And his wife, which this makes it all the more amazing, Elizabeth Elliot, stayed and continued to minister to this people group. Could you imagine? Staying, loving like Jesus calls us to love to a people who literally murdered your husband, the father of your children. So much so that as they stayed there, the gospel was preached and understood and, and people's lives were transformed. The, the man who actually murdered her husband became a father figure to the murdered man's son, and baptized him when he had grown up. This man. Because they were willing. 
willing. And if you watch the movie, um, there, and I, I don't know if this conversation actually happened, but if it did, it was amazing. The, the, the son, the dad was going in these plane trips, and the son has this conversation with the dad saying, hey, you know, why don't you take your guns with you? He's like, you know, they have weapons, they might kill you. And he's like, well, if we, if we kill them, they, they never get to hear about Jesus. They never get to meet Jesus. If they kill me, I know Jesus. I get to go be with Jesus. And he had a quote, which we're going to end on this. I'm going to invite our worship team up. You should... I encourage you to read stories of people's faithfulness. I mean, go to Voice of the Martyrs website. They have books and material on there that you can read stuff about. Because I'm telling you, we'll get so fixed on how easy it is for us that we'll forget to be praying for this. But he, he wrote this. This is a quote of his. He said, He is no fool to give up what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. Let me read this one more time. He is no fool to give what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. Your perspective will determine your life. And I just want to challenge you that if your perspective has been wrong and you've followed the wrong gospel and you've not surrendered to the real Jesus, it is never too late. I spent 18 years in church knowing about Jesus, but never surrendering to Jesus. Until it was my time where finally the gospel was made plain to me and I surrendered. And it's been the weirdest, wackiest 26-year journey of my life. And I'm here, standing in front of you because I said yes to Jesus. No other reason. I, I do not like standing in front of people in community. Like if you'd have told me, high school me, pre-Jesus me, that you're like you going to preach, I'd be like, no, I'm not. So what are you holding on so tightly that you're exchanging that for the truth of who Jesus is and wants to be in your life? And I ask you today, are you willing to surrender that to something greater? Because the truth is, whatever you're holding on to, whatever you think is like this end all, whether it's retirement and the easy whatever. Learn from King Solomon. Don't waste now. Because either Jesus is greater than anything else or he's not. And if he is greater... Let's live in such a way that our life reflects that greatness. And we cannot be that. We cannot experience that until we're willing to surrender to it. Because that's where we're at. And I I just encourage you. Like, I would, my heart to you was that that you would take these Beatitudes that we've gone over the last eight weeks. And you would, you would allow this to be the cycle or mirror or litmus test of like, how am I living? Like, how, how am I doing with humility? How am I doing with brokenness? How am I doing with surrender? How am I doing with dependence? Like, am I being merciful? Am I being a peacemaker? This should be the thing that we're like, oh, I need to work on that because you, this, you will. There, there's nothing that we do that we just all of a sudden 
do it right from now on. I mean, remember as a child, you don't remember this probably, but we fell a lot. You remember having kids when they were learning to walk? Did that stop them from walking? No. Don't let the little things that you fall on just get back up. Saints are just sinners who rise again and again. I have a prayer. Uh, If you'd like to pray uh, it with us, I'm going to pray it, and then we're going to worship. Here we go. Jesus, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. You left the comfort and safety of heaven to rescue me from sin and death. Give me the courage and faith to live this way. Help me to love you, your eternal kingdom, the people more than this world. I must sacrifice. And if I have to suffer to follow you, help me do it with grace and faith, knowing that great is my reward in heaven. Jesus, be glorified in me. Lord, our our number one issue in this room is that you're not in the position that you need to be. You in the correct position fix all of our issues. So, Lord, I pray this morning, regardless of where the struggle is, regardless of where the inconsistency is, regardless of where the things that we're struggling in are, So the Holy Spirit is just ready to get us. Regardless of where those are, Lord, I pray that we would be willing, we'd be willing to lay those things down for you. Lord, we want to be people that have a purpose and a destiny. Lord, we want to be a people that are about your kingdom and are not about ours. So, Lord, show us yourself this morning. Show us how great you are. Lord, we love you. We are so grateful that you want to give us things that our hearts desire, which is our relationship and connection with you. Let us be willing to sacrifice everything for you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com. 